0: If you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to the uh, book of Acts, chapter number 8. Chapter 8, I don't have a pew Bible number, so if you need that, there's the table of contents and go there. New Testament uh, book, right after the Gospels, Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there is Acts. Acts chapter 8. We'll be looking this morning at Acts, uh, at verse 26, to the end of the chapter. And as you're turning there, let's ask the Lord just uh, really just illuminate our minds, really work on within our life as we see the days wax worse and worse and uh, boy, it's just uh, we just need to be on our game and being ready to be able to share our faith and to give out our faith to those that God would bring within to our lives. Verse number 26, allow me to read if I might. Down to the end of the chapter. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke uh, to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man in Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he says, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down, to the road, went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip says, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he was baptized. Now when he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went away rejoicing. Father, we are excited about what can take place with those that we are encountering and that we meet we have the boldness and the confidence, the determination, to share, that which you have given us. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, you give us a hearing heart, and that is so vital and so important that people who do not know you would give them the opportunity to have clarity of what it means to to have eternal life, and to have a right relationship with you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This week, uh, Pastor Sturzbach sent me uh, an email, an email of a testimony from uh, what I'll call one of my homies. Uh, there are a number of individuals who are members of our church who are from Ohio, uh, the great state, the Buckeye State. Uh, Buckeye is a nut, so you get some idea who they are. And, uh, but there are some that are in, not only in Ohio, in Northeast Ohio, but in the city of Cleveland. Um, and so therefore, we kind of call the best location in the nation, or for many it's a mistake on the lake. As a matter of fact, the physicians have agreed, if you have any concern about longevity of life, go to Cleveland. It'll seem like a lifetime. But anyway, my homie, my homie, we, uh, besides my wife, my wife, we went to uh, separate high schools, but cross time high schools. But I have one that went to high school that was very, very close to mine. And we are very close. We graduated the same year. Our high school was such rivalries that after every football game, uh, the police would have to break up skirmishes. I'm speaking about Rosemary Key. That's my homie. And of course, she goes and has every now and then has to go and have some, some scans, some tests. And when I read on this, this particular email that she considers that occasion as an occasion of God's providential working, that there would be a divine appointment with every occasion that she goes uh, for these particular tests. And what a testimony that is. As I would look and as I look at what's taking place in the church here now, there's a, there's a real challenge going on with, with persecution and, and, and uh, against the church, but taking difficult circumstances, but then marrying that up with the expectations of a divine appointment. That God has a way, and even though our lives per, per se is somewhat of a challenge, but God has a way, and I'm expecting, and and I know as Rosemary has said it's her testimony, I'm expecting to be able to be a witness because God's going to make a divine appointment for for me. When we come to this particular passage of scripture, we come to the occasion which I kind of call the gateway to world missions. There is going to be a divine appointment that takes place in light of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. I call it the gateway to to world missions because here at this particular juncture, we will find the Ethiopian leaving and will go to the continent of Africa. It's going to be outside the Palestinian area. So I look at this as kind of being the gateway Uh, to world missions, even though there'll be another occasion uh, of persecution beginning in chapter 12 with Herod, and then ultimately world missions through the Apostle Paul. But this morning, I'd like us to kind of take a look at some of the circumstances and the events this morning, and that you and I would be challenged about the expectations and the being responsive towards these divine appointments, because God's got them, and God's given them and they're giving them to us, and we need to be uh, ready in order to do that. But this is a pivotal chapter, and I think the church now is ready. Uh, God is using persecution to move the church forward now, but I, I think prior to this, I'm not certain the church was necessarily ready. I think there are four really theological issues that I think had to be dealt with Uh, certainly the first three before the launch and certainly the fourth one before we really get uh, great significance. One is to understand that the church is an empowered institution. It's not a a natural group. It is empowered by God. It cannot do the work of God without the empowerment of God. God has chosen to have his dwelling place corporately amongst us, those that name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He has chosen individually to dwell within us. So we're not looking at an institution that's going out and saying, well, it's got a great strategic plan, so therefore it advances itself. No, it's empowered. It is not one that goes out and says it's got a, a great marketing plan. It's going to be able to sell its product. No, it's an empowered institution. And not, we don't sell anything. We've got a great gift to give. So God has chosen that the, the church is going to be an empowered institution. So when we go, we need to understand we're going in the power of God. At least we should be. Chapter 5. Chapter 5, the church need to understand the church is not a game place. There's a point of integrity that has to exist and always be within here. This is Ananias a fire. Oh, they thought it was really, really good that perhaps uh, they get accolades. Well, I sold all that I had and, and I'm laying at the feet of the apostle. But they lied. They lied. And God dealt with them very, very quickly. And it brought, brought, if we read the chapter, it brought great fear upon the church. The church needed to understand that the church is a church of integrity, a body of integrity, of quality, of truth. Then we come to chapter 6. Chapter 6 breaks out in terms of an internal issue between Hellenistic Jews and Hebrew Jews. And I think the church needed to be, as an organization, needed to be able to have the ability to handle internal problems. Any good institution has to be able to have the ability, when there's a problem internally, to be able to deal with itself. And they were able to do that. They selected godly men. They had godly leaders in order to address internal problems. So I think those were three before anything really begins to launch. But there really was a fourth theological issue later on. Because then later on we are getting with the point of Jew and Gentile in the church. How do we deal with that? Now the Jews now recognizing the fact that Gentiles, non-J- non-Jews, are coming to the faith. What do we do with that? How do we assess that? And of course they send Peter, they they decide to have a a group council together and come out and let it be known in, in chapter 15. Wait, there's something very essential that we all have. What is that? We believe through the grace of the Lord, Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. We have been saved, Jew. They are saved, Gentile. We do not put any other burden. That is essential. That is theological foundational. Now, they did a set and found it important to, to have some institutional laws. Okay, can't no more rare stakes. can't have any more rare stakes. And you need to watch in terms of your moral line. So we, we got these four real critical theological issues that I think were very, very essential that prior to and following after, uh, that the church really needed to, to experience in order to be ready uh, for the movement uh, of the gospel. We find with entering in chapter 8 as follows after we would know Stephen's martyrdom. And with Stephen being killed by the Jews for his testimony as, very, as well as challenging them, they uh, launched out uh, with great persecution led by, by what ultimately will be the Apostle Paul but called Saul at that time. In verse number three we could see and Saul uh, <clears throat> made havoc uh, of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women committing them to prison going house to house. But yet in verse number four Therefore those that were scattered went about preaching the word. I am always gripped by that. By the fact that there is a there is persecution going on. Lives are being incarcerated, lives are perhaps are being threatened, but yet the gospel goes forward. It doesn't stop. Now, now we, I don't know, per se, the basic outcomes for for us. We know things have changed, and radically have changed. But we need to understand, and sometimes, you know, I I can look at our leaders and I can, obviously, can be frustrated. But I have to be always mindful that our leaders come out from amongst the community, us. And as a psalm writer said, David said in Psalm 33, He says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So any nation has this opportunity of being blessed. We've had an opportunity of being blessed. But over time, there was a sense we don't want God to be in our program. We don't want in God we trust. We don't want that. And we're paying the price. We want to take our hands off our God. Then we need to understand the opposite has to take place from that verse. Cursed is the nation who has disavowed God, the Lord. And so I, I think along those lines in terms of where we are. But mainly, mainly... What will I be if there is a house-to-house challenge to cancel me because of my faith? When we look at this event, and Philip is being called by the Lord to go forth down towards the south line. And in verse number 26, which I already read, that we're going to find uh, a divine appointment here. Philip is going to go. He's going to rise in verse number 26. He's going towards the south. Matter of fact, we get a little bit of a, a missionary picture here. He says, head south, going down from Jerusalem to Gaza, and where are you going to be? You're going to be in the desert. And, of course, he arose and went. And then we get the word Behold. I can just imagine as Philip going down. He's not certain what word God's taken him, but now, behold, now, now I see where God wants me to be. And perhaps he's a little bit overwhelmed at what he sees. And sometimes, with our divine appointments, we can be likewise overwhelmed. When I look at the Philippian, uh, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch, and as Philip apparently. Uh, shares his testimony to Luke to write all this. He's found out a great deal about this individual, and in light of the ideal about this individual, I, I would find several challenges that can take place in my divine appointments, or in divine appointments that can take place. First off, a divine appointment that I might have, I could run into somebody who is of a different nationality, perhaps of a different color. And my perception is, I don't know if this individual, I can really reach this individual. There's a, perhaps a disconnect in terms of how we view world and how we view events and, thing, and, and things. And so therefore, I, I don't know. I, I need to perhaps bypass this, this divine appointment because he's different than I am. Or I, we might find he says that uh, he is a eunuch of great authority. Now, the idea of the word eunuch is going to have really two senses. One is that he could be de- designated this particular position as a treasurer. He's appointed that. That's his job. But the other, the more general sense, we would know that he's had some physical alterations in his life. So therefore, we've got a physical handicapped individual. That's what I call him. He's physically handicapped. And sometimes because of physical handicap, and I've encountered someone who's got a physical handicap, I've got more pity than I've got an opportunity for this divine appointment. And as we would think about those that perhaps are are, are challenged in various different ways, we have a tendency to bypass. And I consider they too I need the gospel, and they too God has brought them into our lives. I can look at the fact that, well, you know what? This guy, he's high ranking official. He says he is the great he's got great authority. I mean, he is up there. He's got he's got a ranking as well above me as this little peon. How in the world can I reach this guy? He's a chief executive officer, or he's a, a chief financial officer for this country, and so therefore we intimidate it because this individual is a very authoritative, a very very an individual that's 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 got great great uh, uh, responsibility and skill and talent. Or we might find that their spiritual understanding is different. You know, one of the things in terms of divine appointments and I've had in sharing our faith is that, you know, sometimes you say, hey, are you interested in spiritual things? And people respond. You usually get, there's two basic responses I, I might get that, that's all always there. I'm asking about a spiritual relationship and do they have, and they say, well, I'm a Jew or I'm a Catholic. They don't respond with relationship with their most high God, but what their religion is. And so therefore, he's got, he's got some understanding of, of Old Testament, but it's incomplete. It's deficient. And so sometimes we feel perhaps intimidated because of our own deficiency. But you know, there's another point I could put on here, and I, and I didn't, is the fact that, did you notice? He's got the Isaiah scroll. Now think about that. I mean, how do you get that? that's handwritten. who's got one? who's got one? Certainly the scribes and 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 the Pharisees i mean they've got one, but the general population i would ha- I would have to say they probably don't have one. He's got one. Man, he must have means. and he can read. he's literate as we look at the. And one thing in light of all of these is to keep in mind and in view. Every person that God brings into our life is an image bearer of God. Right. An image bearer of God. Yes, we're all fallen. And yes, there, there are certain areas that are, that are more deficient than, than, than others, but they are image bearers of God. And God loves them. Amen. God loves them. And while there may be a negative response, we need to appreciate what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. In whom the God of this world have blinded the eyes of those which do not believe. That's the issue. There's blindness from God's enemy. Lest the light of the glorious gospel shines upon him. That divine appointment that should come from us. Should come from us. God loves them. And to appreciate the fact that the church is the repository of truth. We have been given the responsibility to uphold and to proclaim the truth. You know, I got saved because I always wanted the best in my life if I could get it. And then when confronted with the possibility of my death and the testimony of my wife and other family members, I said, why should I then die and not pursue the best for my afterlife? So all of us perhaps have some basis for why we come to the Lord. A lot of it is, I guess, getting out of the fire, and that's okay. But you ask me, why do I remain a Christian? My response is different. It's because it's true it's true the church of the living God the pillar and ground of the truth so we ask ourselves this morning in our time as we would would move forward and I ask myself to us in regards as to this church and to perhaps any visitors that might be listening as ministers everyone and every one of us a minister, we must reach out to God's divinely appointed encounters. God is going to bring people into our lives. He's going to do that. And we need to walk with a conscious, mindful awareness of that. You know, if there's one place where I say I really don't want a divine appointment is when I'm flying. I just want you to be quiet and let me alone so I can sit back and do nothing. But I sought divine appointments, my trip to Africa, That's its people would sit next to me given the opportunity to share uh, my faith. Behold, Philip had to say, wow. But then God says in verse number 29, the Spirit said to Philip, Look, go near and overtake the chariot. What I like us to do is, is, in view of these these clearing up our misconceptions, consider at least three. I'll call three activities that are, that are connected with with uh, the divine appointments that God gives us that we would find in this passage of Scripture. The first one. Let us be responsive to the opportunities directed by God. I, I'm look, I really, when I look at a divine appointment, I, I really look for, God, what are the ones I want you to lead me? Sometimes, you know, you kind of feel tense. Well, you know, I've well, I, I got to share my faith. and I, I, Let me grab somebody. Okay, let me sit here and listen to me. I really want a divine appointment. You, you just know you've got it. The door opens up some way. The, the, the theme of, of spirituality just opens up somehow, some way. So I want to be responsive. Let us be responsive to the opportunities that have been directed by God. Whether they are beyond boundaries that we're typically perceived to be comfortable with or not. We want to react. We want to respond. And in that response, we want to be let God direct those paths. And he will do that. He will do that. And in going and that responsiveness and going, let's let's go in in, in confidence. The spirit God in verse number twenty nine said to Philip, "Look, go down and join the 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 chariot." He's let there's just a sense that this is what God wants. This is what He wants. He's brought this person into my life now regardless of my my circumstances, regardless of what my own thinking might be, he's brought me there. And with that, we want to have the confidence that, uh, you know what? We, We have the truth. That's what we have. We've got the truth. People are walking in blindness We've got the truth. We're empowered by the Spirit of God. And the Word of God is powerful and quicker than any two-edged sword. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It's going to happen. I am confident. I am sure God wants this. I think we go enthusiasm. Look at Philip. <laughs> Obviously, he probably had to run the 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 wagon train. The, the the whole thing is probably going down, continuing on down the down the road there towards Gaza, towards uh, the the coastal highway. Would take him down back down into Africa, but he ran. He ran to catch up. And I think people need to see our enthusiasm about what we have. I mean, they really, man, is it a great thing to be a child of God? Is it great to say, you know what, I, I'm a child of the king. Is it a great thing? Yes, it is. And people need to see that, that confidence about what we have in the Lord and the enthusiasm that we have about things about God, and then we just start dragging our feet. You know, there really for the, for us as believers, there should be no woe is me. It really shouldn't be. And so that that prospect has got to see, man. There's something that is different in us that I want. I shared my testimony many times. What I saw, I wanted that. I wanted that confidence, that assurance. I wanted that joy that's unexplainable. I want that. And I'm sure there are others, and many, many others, that do likewise. So I think when we look at it, it's got to be, we've got to be responsive to those opportunities that God's going to bring into our lives we've got to be that. But then there's a there's a there's another another piece that's in here. I'm saying let's spend some quality time with folks. Let's let's spend some quality time with them. These invited to get on board, Philip is and um uh, he takes the initiative. There's my 51% rule. I won't elaborate that any further. I've shared that once before. But he takes the initiative. Do you understand what you're reading? He opens up the conversation. Obviously, he gets very close and he sees him reading. And again, I don't know the whole entourage that, he, that the, the eunuch. Obviously, probably have something that's quite compelling and impressive uh, going. But he gets close enough to, to hear him reading. I mean, he might have thought he was just another one of the guys in the in the pack uh, who's carrying the the chariot or or carrying some of the goods that he that he had or is bringing back from, from Jerusalem. And he hears him reasoning, and he, he just initiates a conversation. Just open up. Do you understand what you? How's life? Where do you think you're headed? So he initiates the, the conversation, so therefore we've got to be able, willing to do that. And sometimes that's probably the most difficult thing, is opening up the conversation. But we have to be willing to do that in order to be able to connect with our divine appointment. Learn where people are uh, uh, spiritually. You know, do you understand? Do you understand what you're reading? There's really a couple of two thoughts that I usually try to, to arrive at when I'm trying to understand people. Because it, certainly in terms of how I'm going to hopefully be able to share the gospel. One, I want to understand how they're thinking. What do you think? How do you think how do you think about perhaps what's going on in our world today? How do, what do you think about just life? What do you think about... It could be a whole host of things. But I want to understand, how do they think? How do they draw conclusions? How do they perceive life? My second, which is probably more than, the, than the, even the first that I always try to achieve, what is your authority? In other words, what do you believe to be true? And that you say, this is authoritative here. Is it you? Is it mom and dad where you were raised? Uh, is it uh, CNN or some other, some other media? Who is it? I want to know who, you, where, do you, where do you rest your authority that you say, I will respond to this, I believe that based on this basis, is what I'm trying to look for. What is your authority? Because that, I got to cut down. I got to be able to cut down. And asking questions in it with a real sincere interest. What motivates them? What do they like? What do they do? What are their interests? To understand them as best that I possibly can. And that's what he does. But he also does something else that I think is very, very vital. I called it buddy building. Maybe it's kind of a bad point, but... It's the willingness to go out of the way to build that relationship. The willingness to go out of the way. So, so in verse number 31, he says, how can, so the eunuch will say, okay, uh, how can I un, uh, understand unless somebody guides me? So he asks Philip, hey, come on up and sit with him. Later on, we get an idea here down in verse number 20, 36. Now as they went down the road... I mean, go- he's, he's now going down wherever they're headed. He's going that way. He's going out of his way to deal with this divine appointment. Got to be willing to do that sometime. I remember in our first church we were trying to begin in Philadelphia, but we were still in, a, in our home church, uh, which is about 25 miles north of that. As we got people we connect with I would drive, I would drive 25 miles. I'll pick you up. Just so I can get you, what it, my goal was to get you in front of the gospel. My goal was to see to see what kind of church hopefully God will inevitably build here in Philly. I'd go that 25 miles. On a Sunday morning, which meant I had to, you know, if churches at 9, 9.30. I mean, I got to get out of there, uh, you know, 8.30. So that means I got to get up earlier than an hour, but that's okay. That is okay. We're willing to spend what is necessary in time with the divine appointment that God has given us. And not passing off the buck either. I'll just pass this one off to someone else. So you've got this willingness to, to go out of the way and to, to, uh, to demonstrate, I really, really care. And this is a caring thing. This is not a project. Uh, This is not, you know, I'm not trying to get a a notch in my, my Bible. I am really, really sincere. If this is real and true, I mean, if this really is real and true, just how much earnestness, sincerity, enthusiasm, determination ought we to employ? If this is real. Now, if it isn't real let's pitch the tent up or close the tent up let's head home but it's real it's real and when you see that you know what's going on through you I wonder if he knows my Savior I wonder I wonder so we're going to spend that quality time we're willing to go out of our way if we were to poll, most of us would say there's someone in here that we had a relationship with that was connected with us coming to Christ. And we're here because of someone else. The value and the merit of a relationship. Spending time with people. But then there's a third which may be be even a little bit more difficult. Give people honest, biblical answers to tough questions. Now he's going to respond and says, okay, uh, how am I going to understand this unless someone guides me? And so where he was, was Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. He reads it out loud for us. The eunuch asks the question in 34, okay, then who's the prophet talking about? Is it himself or is it someone else? Of course, Philip begins at that point to share the gospel, to share Jesus Christ at this particular point. Now, in the journey with divine appointments, there can be some difficult times. And there are difficult types of questions that people do pose. Now I boil down. I probably have seven or eight over my history of being saved and witnessing and sharing my faith and as a pastor, I probably have eight or nine what I call 10 questions, uh, tough questions that people ask. But I'm going to give you two, three. The first tough questions that people ask are people who are hurting. How could God allow my child to die? I have one contact that goes back to Akron, Ohio, for my Buckeye buddies at the University of Akron. She's now in Texas. But we have built a relationship over the years. But I can't get through the anger that she has at God because her infant child God so chose to take. Evil does happen to good people. It is a consequence of a fallen world. I wish that did not happen. My heart goes out to you. But in some ways it is this help us to understand our dependency upon him. And so there are people that are angry at God that pose a question like that that you try to comfort and you try to share in a truthful way yes, bad things do happen and I think my last conversation was the fact that perhaps it was an occasion for your attention for to capture your attention she's a very bright lady very smart very talented in what she does and she didn't really want to hear that She's still angry at God. But then there's also angry people. I call these people who are angry at men. And this individual people who are angry at men, and I will use this because I run into this angry group on occasion, Christianity is a white man's religion. That's my tough question that's been posed to me. It's a white man's religion. So I've got a question where I've got people who are angry at men for whatever is taking place in our world or in, the, or, or in our country or amongst people. And I say, yes, I can understand that. I appreciate that. Solomon understood it in Ecclesiastes seven. 7. Surely oppressions make a wise man mad. It does. We we'll still try to zero in on the heart. I'm always looking for the heart always looking for the heart. Spiritual cardiac surgery. Sometimes I miss and hit the foot. I step on their feet. I said, I'm sorry, I was aiming for the heart. (laughs) Angry people. The third probably category that I perhaps would consider out of my eight or nine would be skeptical people. What about the person that doesn't hear the gospel? The person in the way off somewhere far off land that never hear the gospel. Well, Paul says they're without excuse. They got general revelation. We won't go just Romans. They're without excuse. They really, really are. So we got to be honest. We have got to give honest answers, and being truthful. One of the other ones I would ask, is if uh, on occasion, if I'm with a Muslim, is about the Crusades. Well, I say, what about the Ottoman Empire? Well, I didn't do that. In other words, <laughs> but they'll tell me about the Crusades. Yep, yep, you did under under the guise of Christianity. Yep, yeah, that was a wrong deal. What about your life? but we're still going to guide them to an opportunity to respond. The eunuch is going to get clarity, and you'll notice what Philip does, because he's, in in 36, they come by some water, obviously a a lake of some sort, and um, they... He asks, well, here's some water. What's going to prevent me from being baptized? Now, now Philip does something, really, I think, very, very wise. He's already explained the gospel. He says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. But he doesn't, tell, he doesn't give him what I call give him the answer. Sometimes one of our biggest mistakes is to give the answer. What do I mean by giving the answer? Have you accepted Jesus Christ in your heart? Oh, yeah, I did. I have. That's giving him the answer. I don't give him the answer. He didn't give him the answer. He's already explained the gospel, but now when he asks, what, what do I need to do in order to get, to get baptized? Well, based upon all that I've said, do you believe what I said? And, and he's looking for clarity and understanding. And what does the eunuch say? He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Does he have it? I think he got it. He's got it. He's got it. So he's looking in. He's giving him an opportunity to respond to the truth. And that's what we're looking for. I'm not looking for the answer. I don't look for the generic thing that says, okay. You know, you'll get somebody, oh, yeah, I did that. And say, well, are you a Christian? Well, I've been in a church all my life. Well, what's that have to do with the price of butter? Because you've been in a church all your life. I live in a garage, and I'm not a car. <laughs> we have these challenges, but they're, they're these divine appointment that God brings. And we need to take advantage of those. When we look at, the, at, the, at, at 39, the job is done as far as God is concerned. He shared his faith. He's gotten saved, he's gotten baptized, his job is done now, and God pulls him away, and this eunuch goes back to the continent of Africa, and he's going back with his life changed. The Bible says he he went his way rejoicing. His life has been changed, and he goes back to his land and well, we don't necessarily know all in terms of what uh, established. If you're ever in Philly or usually Philly or Washington, D.C., and you get a cabbie and there'll be an Ethiopian, you talk about Christians. They say, is Ethiopia? is, is this our guy? Well, I don't know if that's your guy, but if you want him to be, okay. Take him, that's your guy. That's your guy. But take his faith. Don't just take him, take his faith. We ever know in terms of how this will explode into a great, great way. We struggled for two years trying to get our church started in Philadelphia. We started in 1987. We didn't get started until 89. We tried different spots in Philadelphia. we get a couple people and then it just fall apart. we get a couple people and fall apart. So we moved again, and we moved three times. We did one time... God gave us a divine appointment of a 15-year-old kid and he got saved. On Monday, his parents got saved. The following week, we met a grandmother and then therefore she brought her kids, her adult children, and their children. It just exploded. One 15-year-old divine appointment led to the establishment Westside Baptist Church in Philadelphia. Let's pray for God to lead us a divine appointment. Lord, bring me a divine appointment. I want my life to be connected with whatever circumstances, good, bad, or indifferent, to connect with a divine appointment. Circumstances, divine appointment. By God's grace, maintain connection with God's appointment to you as best you can. Who did that? We'll take care of that guy later on. Learn to leave outcomes to God. We heard that, I think, last Sunday evening. And then to visitors and friends, if the Lord has appointed someone in your life to hear and respond to truth, Will you do it? Will you do it?